A bit of the old razzle-dazzle, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble on Football Ramble Daily. My name is Marcus C. Speller. I am devastating wits Jim Campbell. Luke here. Oh, a little bit of the Donny. <laughs> Oh, a, a welcome return <laughs> to that uh, that nonsense speech. Yeah. Something that yeah. Luke shouted every three seconds on the <laughs> Football Ramble Daily Tour, I seem to recall, uh, to yeah. excruciating oh. effect. Yeah. Tour managers were disgusted. Um, our US managerial team were annoyed. I don't Luke care what effect it was, it. as long as it had an effect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Just want to be part Luke. of the conversation, don't you, Luke? Yeah. Just, I just, <laughs> listen, I don't care what role I play, just as long as I'm involved. As long as he's got a role, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, boys and girls, um, we've only got uh, to suffer the Bundesliga another few weeks, so let's talk about that nonsense. <laughs> How rude. Uh, no, we, we love the Bundesliga. I'm only joking for anybody who doesn't understand that. Um, Kai Havertz became the first Bundesliga player to reach 35 goals before turning 21. I like those records where they say, oh, he scored a few goals quite young, but oh, someone's already done 100. They did that then. And blah, 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 blah. So they <laughs> yeah. kind of just moved the goalposts. He's the, fir- the first guy to have 17 assists by the age of 19 and six months. Yeah, it's, it's, but you, can, you can do a pretty good run in how impressive the record is because it directly correlates with how specific it is. Yeah, if, it's just, right. if, it's, mm. if it's really, really broad, like he has scored the most goals ever. Yeah. And it's impressive, yeah, and it gets less impressive the more specific it becomes. So now if we get to the point where he's the first kid called Kai mm-hmm. to score. Yeah. I mean, obviously the next one will be Wayne Rooney's son to score um, <laughs> this this amount of goals, and it's kind of oddly oddly specific and less impressive. But he is a brilliant player, and, and I don't think anyone in their right mind would ever tire of watching him play. No. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, can you stop knocking our beloved homegrown Kai, please? Actually, yeah, sorry, sorry mate. Mm. Yeah, but you must be very pleased, Jim, that he's got to the, the 35 goals. He's reached that famous milestone before the age of 21. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased for both myself and all the other fans of the company's eleven, but also uh, for football fans in general because it's always exciting to see a talent like this emerge, isn't it? Um, yeah, and, so. and, and Germany's pretty good at uh, pumping them out. But even within that context, he's he's, a, he's an exciting talent, and it's a, it's a bright spark. At the moment, is that what they do over in Germany? Do they pump them out? Pump them out. Yeah. Like, so basically, in England, where you see like a player comes through slowly in an academy and maybe moves on loan for a bit, and then in James yeah. Sancho's case, he goes overseas to kind of find his feet. Mm. And boy, has he done that! In Germany, they just literally—it's a massive cannon. They just pump them out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. straight straight into the straight onto the pitch. Just yeah, 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 yeah fully straight formed. in there. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I think uh, what I like about Kai Havertz is he seems to be able to. Just the goal against Freiburg, he sort of squeezed it in, if you see what I mean. He manages to just yeah. get so the slightest of touches, and it, and and he squeezes the ball in. It's a it's a slip mm. and a squeeze is what's going on at Bayer Leverkusen. <laughs> it was also very brave. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because slips, squeezes, and bravery are all ingredients that go into the pump. Yeah, they yeah. Um, <laughs> dial them up to eleven. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I would like to um, uh, turn this conversation in, in a serious footballing uh, uh, direction. Uh, I enjoy the the name Kai because it I always forget the word in Japanese to buy something, which is kaimas, um, and I always use Kai Havertz as a way of remembering this. So there you go. So that's you taking it back to serious football conversation. <laughs> exactly. Jim, exactly. Jim, were you unscrewing a water bottle there, or was that one of the pumps? 
<laughs> yeah, were you, were you were you unloading a seal on the pump? Yeah, I was. I was absolutely unloading a seal at the pump. Um, as yeah. a diehard Bundesliga fan, we've been sent pumps to experiment with just to um, <laughs> just so there's a sort of you know 360 degree view on on how all this works. They're very efficient, very very good. Um, Jim, I mean, I mean, I will um, give you the same pelt as, as I gave Luke with his Nalgene bottle. Your bottle seems to be even louder and more metallic. Yeah. What's going on there? It's a Chili's. It's a Chili's pump. For centuries, we've had cups. Don't worry about it. Un- undo, the, <laughs> yeah. undo the top of your bottle. The water's not going to suddenly go off. It's fine. All right. You know that. You know the. You know the use by dates on plastic bottles. The use by date is for the plastic. The water never goes off. Just leave it open to the elements. Don't worry about it. Is this more serious football chat? <laughs> Pete, if you see like a container with water in it that's been there for months, don't drink that. I'll drink yeah. It. Just I'll like if there's anything it. we take from that, don't drink it. It the water can very much go stale. If I see a cup of brown liquid in the shed, I'll drink it. I'll drink it. <laughs> Best case scenario is going to be uh, some kind of fence covering. For, for those who, who are new to the show and they're listening for the first time and want to know exactly when Football Roundwood Daily became an airing of grievances, it was probably mm. around about 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, there was quite a lot of football chat. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was. Uh, but congratulations to Kai Havertz and uh, congratulations to Leverkusen as well, beating Freiburg 1-0. Is that really an achievement in 2020, though? Yeah, I, I'd say without fans. Well, Freiburg are quite, quite kind of mendacious. They're quite kind of um, stubborn, mm. Freiburg. Anyway, yeah. People only seem to beat them kind of narrowly. I saw them earlier this season at, at Dortmund, and Dortmund kind of laboured to win a bit. I realise that's a sample size of one, and now against Leverkusen, a sample size of two, but I'm sticking with it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why if you're going to beat them, you're going to have mm. to beat them with a brave squeeze, and Bayern managed to do that. Exactly, <laughs> true. Exactly. Yeah, you, you've only, you can only squeeze them in against uh, Freiburg. But you mentioned Dortmund there, Luke, your beloved Dortmund. They won 6-1 away at Paderborn. I thought to myself, oh, you can do it when it's not Bayern, eh? Yeah, mm. I can enjoy my weekend because um, my beloved Dortmund actually won. Um, <clears throat> and James Sancho was on breathtakingly good form. But oh, yeah. Yeah. it is worth mentioning that um, <clears throat> Paderborn's I mean, big big Andy Brass is a case is a, is a fan of saying this. Paderborn's budget is quite derisory. Um, yeah. they're, they're not realistically ever going to be able to compete in the in the top flight with the budget they've got. So, yeah. but um, Borussia Dortmund did do the job. They 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 did it well, and it was a convincing win. But it's c- sort of a bit like when a Premier League team plays a Championship team in the FA Cup or whatever. It's almost a bit like, well, if you don't beat them, you look ridiculous. And I think, I think I'm right. So it seems like it was about five years ago now. But I think they came pretty close, Borussia Dortmund, to not beating Paderborn in the, in the first game between the two sides, which, kept, which put a lot of pressure on Lucien Favre at the time. So they've obviously turned the corner on, on that note. Mm. Yeah, stop making excuses for Paderborn, mate. I mean, I know they're bottom of the league, but <laughs> you get what you pay for, cheap little mugs. Yeah. Oh, they are absolute muck. They are yeah. muck. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Turn up to the... We haven't yeah. got any money. Well, don't join then. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, get some Saudis. <laughs> it's the high rollers table. Get out. <laughs> yeah. That is the spirit of football, Jim. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah, completely. Absolutely. I'm um, all for modern football, personally. But to yeah. be fair to Paderborn as well, it was, it was nil-nil at half-time. It was. it was a weird game, actually, to, for it to end up being 6-1. Dortmund missed a hatful of chances, but you're absolutely right. There was six goals sort of... Fairly late-ish, relatively speaking, uh, but they did get one. Weirdly, weirdly enough, I've just checked, and it was three all in the first game between those two teams as well. So. Yeah, 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 wow, weird. yeah, very weird. It's um, 
Owen Hargreaves did that thing, and he's not alone in this, so I'm not singling him out, but he's just the last person I've heard say it, where he said that Jaden Sancho is like a, a frightening talent. It's like, frightening? But don't you like football? Isn't that good? <laughs> I've never been frightened by a player. The reason ex-players say that is because their most recent um, memory of playing the game professionally is probably when they're a bit too old and they couldn't <laughs> yeah, do it anymore. A bit creepy. Particularly yeah. Owen Hargrove. I mean, imagine Owen, bless him, amazing player, a great career, mm. but his knees towards the end were in a yeah, really terrible yeah. state. And it's not a laughing matter, of course, because his career <laughs> no, was cut short. No. Do you remember the uh, YouTube compilation of his training, though? That was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, Michael Owen did one of those as well, didn't he? But imagine Owen yeah. playing against poor poor Owen um, Hargreaves playing against Jaden Sancho in like the final season of his career. He's probably having nightmares just thinking about the prospect of it. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Uh, Bayern there gubbed Fortuna Dusseldorf five nil on their way that to they did. Uh, an eight straight uh, Bundesliga win, of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's just yeah. I I sort of in a weird I hadn't forgotten about. Robert Lewandowski, because that would be ridiculous. But if you remember a few seasons ago when there was chat that he was going to go to Real Madrid and he seemed to have kind of thrown in the towel a little bit at Dortmund, at, at Bayern, sorry. Well, he did at Dortmund as well, but uh, at Bayern. <laughs> and, uh, and then you look at his goal tally this this season and, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, he's still one of the best strikers on the continent. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I yeah. think he's probably I think he's probably the best striker in the world, personally. Yeah, there you are, you see. Yeah, he's, he's just got all kinds of finishes and it's just got that sort of dead-eyed ruthlessness that's so important, isn't it, for those players that get those huge, huge numbers. And he's, he's isn't he on the way to potentially equaling Gerd Muller's record? Yeah, I think it, there's this talk of him um, there's talk of him breaking the record for a single season in, in the Bundesliga or in German football, I think. Mm. But, but the way, the way um, I've been approaching watching German football since it's come back has been, um, obviously you can't watch every single game, but you kind of prioritise the games you'd quite like mm-hmm. to see. And then in retrospect, you look back at the highlights of the games and stuff because you can't watch all of them. If Bayern Munich win by a margin of some four goals or more, I just don't bother. No yeah, point. Yeah, every yeah. single thing's yeah. exactly the same every time. It's just, it's just depressing. So I just don't. I, I didn't watch this game, so deal with it. One of the things I'm finding really interesting about um, the empty stadium thing with Bayern Munich in particular is that they've um, they've they keep they're still doing the music when they score a goal. And at the moment, yeah. I know they used to have Seven Nation Army, but at the moment they have the the Offenbach um, song, the famous Can Can music, which sounds <laughs> particularly smug. But like in this case, the first goal was an own goal, and I think the only way you could make that worse would be if you had the curb your enthusiasm music. Like it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Anything with a trombone in it should not be near football. I think. Yeah. What What was that song they? Apart from maybe Nobby Solano. That used yeah, to that's, play that's a good at, point actually. At Middlesbrough and a few others. Dan, 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 Dan. Dan, Dan, Dan. Yeah, surely it's about time that one brought to work. What's it called? Is it got? It's something like. Um, is it called Reach Up or something like that? Pete knows. He's the DJ. Yeah, it's absolute. Uh, it used to be played quite a lot at the roller disco in Hartlepool uh, Millhouse Leisure Centre. So if if, if that clears anything up, uh, <laughs> you've got that piece of information now. When you say it was played quite a lot, was it like every hour on the hour? <laughs> well, the roller discos used to start at ten in the morning and end at like four in the afternoon, and you would just kind of come in and come out. I'd be out there for for for, for days. I'm an excellent yeah. roller uh, roller skater. I'm sure you are. Uh, well, Thank Peter, you. your uh, Hertha Berlin boys got a nice win against uh, Augsburg two nil. Yeah, so just uh, just more points. <laughs> more points. Clean sheet yeah. for uh, Justin, obviously, <laughs> and uh, uh, with news that. Um, Carius uh, might be going to uh, to Berlin. Unwelcome when you just kept it kept a clean sheet. Ah, oh, don't have a go at Carius. 
He suffered enough. Well, I, well, he he, um, he went out to um, Turkey, didn't he? And 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 Besiktas opted not to pay his wages, uh, which is an interesting move from a football club. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he's back at Liverpool. And he's he's leaving in the summer. Still only twenty six. And 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 I think we said um, after his Champions League f up mess up uh, a couple of years ago, um, he's still got some years in him. So go easy. The thing is, he was concussed in that game. People don't talk yeah. about that. He was. It, people talk about it as if he made two of these like. But if he made two absolute howlers, and of course he sort of did, but in the context of that, it's not really, it's not the, that's not the game his career should be judged against. And unfortunately for him, it seems to be. Do Hurta need him though, is the question. Yeah. And can I just, just jump in and say that, um, you know, when it comes to Liverpool though, the players and the managers and the, the, no, no one walks alone. So yeah, Carius um, yeah. <laughs> will have the, uh, the the genuine heart for mm-hmm. heartfelt warmth of the, uh, the Liverpool community to support him throughout his career because when you've ever played for Liverpool or managed them, uh, no one walks alone. So it's, it's yeah. you have that to keep him big, going. Yeah, big big talk from a man in a, in his house right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't, I'm not allowed to be anywhere else. <laughs> if we were doing this too, people could find you. Luke has a point, and perhaps Carius <laughs> couldn't. Can you know have a cup of tea with Roy Hodgson and talk about that? Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, right. What about? Let's go back to old England. eh? twenty thousand fans. Twenty thousand of the buggers could be allowed into Wembley for the FA Cup final on the first of August. Now, this could only occur if the infection rate drops below zero point five. In Spain and Italy, they're working on plans slowly to get uh, fans back into stadiums. So, so Pete, I, I, I'm quite pleased to hear this because. You could you could still see your beloved Newcastle United lift the trophy at Wembley on the first of August. Yeah, because um, Wembley um, Cup finals are, are, are notable uh, in how many tickets they release to uh, to different fans. <laughs> so to make that number even smaller, twenty thousand. Yeah, eighteen thousand to go to the corporates. Yeah, with yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least you can social distance there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there'll, there'll be hundreds of people watching the start of the second half. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, interesting. But I mean, obviously, Newcastle have to get past uh, Manchester City first, a, a task, there. which obviously, I mean, God knows what people are going to be uh, like coming back, and God knows when the FA Cup uh, fixtures are actually going to be played. But I'm excited. I'm excited mm. watching uh, to see Newcastle United win mm. something. We're all very excited. Well, I believe they're all going to be played as part of Project Zeus. They're all going to be played um, towards the end of July, aren't they, with the final on the 1st of August? I believe that's how oh, it's right, scheduled okay. at the moment. I missed, uh-huh. I missed that information. Thanks, anyway. FC.com, keep me in yeah. the dark, and then the light, and then the dark, and then the light. That's how a show works. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, the championship is also set to resume on uh, the 20th of June, so good news there. I think Jules and Andy are going to go into that in more depth tomorrow, um, but but that's uh, in- encouraging news, certainly. And if you're a West mm. Ham fan, this is very encouraging news as well, because apparently Davy Moyes and his merry men have been training in full kits at the London Stadium to get used to playing without fans there. And I suppose at the London Stadium... <laughs> the project they started three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the only way they'll know is if there's any fans in the stadium or not, is when one of them invades the pitch and throws a season ticket in Mark Noble's face. That's the only yeah. way they're going to know. It could help West Ham, yeah. couldn't it, if, they, if they've not got the fans there, because they won't have all those distractions. Yeah, it'll be a net positive for them. Yeah, <laughs> no one's going to be throwing dildos around and stuff. <laughs> 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 oh dearie me! Um, but yeah, I, I, li- I like the fact that David Moyes is uh, is being uh, taken all the precautions necessary because, and he's back in London. We know he's been delivering food to old people in uh, up his home near Lancashire. So I think I think David Moyes is 
has, has come across very well in this. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's had a good PR lockdown. He, he could it could only be better. The Queen apparently has, has appeared for the first time since lockdown uh, oh, in yeah. the last couple of hours. Oh, she's upstaged she's him on a horse. She's on a horse. So if David yeah. Mo- David Moyes could go back into the stadium on a fine steed, that's that's the only way his PR oh, love could that. be any higher right now. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be wicked. David Moyes and, and the Queen trying to upstage each other. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Love it. To be fair to David Moyes, though, I'd want to avoid that because if you're David Moyes on a horse, people might think, is that pestilence? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing we need. Does Moyes look a bit like yeah. the COVID virus? <laughs> I think he might do. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chicharito gave an interview this week where he said that Moyes was was too stubborn to succeed at Man United. He was like, "There's nothing against him, lovely guy, but you know he, he changed too much." I thought, oh, "Come on, why is everyone sniping yeah. at David Moyes?" That's <laughs> for one thing. That's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear! Uh, did everybody see that Nick Pope has said he'd like to become England number one uh, at some point, but knows it'll be tough getting the shirt off Pickford. Nicky Pope uh, uh, being interviewed. He was the third choice keeper during the World Cup, of course, and he said, despite not playing a minute, to be part of it was one of the greatest things of his life. I thought, yeah, was I lovely, saw that. Yeah, lovely quote. It was a really, it was a really sweet thing for him to say. Like, he comes across really well, doesn't he, Nick Pope? He seems like a, a really sweet guy. And and it, but, it, but I mean, it would have been hard for him to take the number one jersey off Pickford anyway, because obviously Gareth Southgate's yeah. number one choice. It's particularly hard when there are literally no games being played. So mm, yeah. he didn't go into detail about how he would go about doing it. A home mm. invasion, home alone style uh, romp, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Well, yeah. Burnley have kept eleven clean sheets this season. Only Liverpool have kept more yeah. with twelve. So he's, they, they've been impressive, and I, there has mm. been a bit of chat with Nick Pope. But with with Henderson coming through at Sheffield United, he could be one of those unlucky keepers because I think he's about twenty eight now. Nick Pope, he's no mm. spring chicken, but he's still got years ahead of him, of course, especially being a goalkeeper. So he he might be one of those in betweeners. Marcus, one of the one of the things that's really kind of interesting about goalkeepers. It, particularly England goalkeepers in recent years, is how quickly they seem to be able to descend um, down the pecking order, and they almost, in some cases, not disappear, but just become no. They just become. They find themselves in a position where they are just nowhere near it. I mean, Paul Robertson's form kind of dipped off, yeah. a, dripped, dropped off a cliff. Joe Hart and yeah. um, Jack Butland. Now I know Jack Butland's yeah. came through a series of quite difficult injuries, and then he didn't move on from Stoke when they were relegated. But mm-hmm. it just goes to show you how quickly the situation can change if you're a goalkeeper, right? You're right. I think yeah. that it's. I mean, it must be terribly frustrating for a goalkeeper, someone like Butland, who was number two at the World Cup, of course, and now he's. Not even in thought process, probably when uh, off. a lot, lot of England fans won't won't be um, considered. But I suppose it's bad news for the individual, but good news for the England fans because there is that pool of talent coming through. You know, as I say, with Henderson and Pope, the more players you have vying for positions, the better it is. So mm. uh, I, I think I, I'm sort of trying to you know take a positive spin on that and think yeah the, the wider context is England are producing a few more players in that area than perhaps in, in the previous sort of couple of seasons where it was very much Joe Hart's position for a number of years and, and he did he did largely did well maybe not so much towards the end but now you have a few more goalkeepers knocking around well Marcus um, Aaron Ramsdale as well don't forget under 21 keeper plays e- exactly yeah. yeah exactly yeah so um, is David, David James is probably in uh, <laughs> As well. So uh, <laughs> I, I think the situation is quite healthy, but it is a shame for someone like Butland. But if Butland, I mean, but the doors never shut for somebody like him. So maybe he can play his way. The back doors never shutland. No, mm. exactly. Do you, th- 
Do you think as well that, strangely, in terms of Nick Pope's ambitions, I mean, you know, this isn't a good situation for anybody, what's happening now, but certainly the, the timing for him could end up being positive because he may get some version of a season to try and stake a claim over Pickford, which he, pr- he probably wouldn't have, 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 have been able to do that before the Euros mm-hmm. had they gone ahead. But he now he's, you know, we've seen Jordan Pickford be fairly inconsistent yeah. and he's got that time to dislodge him potentially. Jim, I think there's a universal truth um, when it comes to the football as as it's pertained to this to this situation. Is is the idea that um, for a lot of older players, the fact that the Euros have been pushed back by a year could be an absolute disaster. It means they might not get mm. a chance to be selected because it'd be another year down the line. But of course, for a lot of younger players or players that are trying to stake their claim, um, it's a great it's great stuff. I mean, like for Jane Sancho, for example, to keep hitting the form he's hitting over another year. I mean, it's it's unimaginable mm. that he wouldn't be a starter for England. Now, would he yeah. be a starter for England every week this summer? Marcus, you're the expert here, but probably not, right? So it's, it, yeah. it affects players in different ways depending on what stage of their career they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what but Harry Kane's benefited because he's now going to have right, yeah. much more time, you know. Um, I, I mean, I'm uh, quite hopeful for the, the injured Tom Heaton to get that number <laughs> number 22. I am staggered 20. it's taken so long for him to get a mention <laughs> in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Get heated in there! I tell you what, he's uh, when I mean Heaton's obviously a little bit older than some of these goalkeepers, but when when he um, either retires from international football or, or from football in maybe a few years, then that number three—you uh, don't have a number three jersey. That's more of a fullback. Isn't it? I'm trying to think of the number three goalkeeper jersey. He's a little like, bit older. He's twelve years older than Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah, <laughs> in geographical sense, that's, you know, that's just a little bit. Yeah, he's got a lot of experience. Um, staying with uh, Burnley players, according to reports, AC Milan are interested in signing Burnley's Jeff Hendrick on a free transfer this summer. Yeah, mm. I mean, yeah. what's happened there is that someone's been playing. Someone's been playing one of those random transfer generators on Facebook. Okay, <laughs> and uh, they just put Jeff Hendrick's name in. That's, I mean, good on him. That's what I say. I don't want to deride him. Good, honest pro. Not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Being uh-huh. linked with AC Milan, that is dream stuff. Good on him. I can't think of anything negative to say about that, and I don't want to either. All right. Does anybody want to say anything negative on it? No, I would add, add some positive things, which is that um, we know that strangely, or it certainly seemed strange, um, at the time that they uh, AC Milan were sniffing around um, Anthony Robinson, weren't they? Who's, who plays for, for yeah. Wigan? So yeah. they are certainly looking to to sign players from from, from England, and perhaps uh, that's part of a wider transfer strategy. So maybe Jeff Hendrick will get his will get his move. I'd love that. We'd all love that, right? I think we would. I think I think I think Jeff Hendrick in particular would like. It. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think also that Luke's shout of of Milan using some sort of transfer generator thing does uh, seem to be on point, actually. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Gentlemen, I'd like to end the first half of this ramble with a bit of chat from Albert Morgan, Manchester United's legendary kit man, who's been telling a few tales from his time at the club. He was there from 1993 to 2013, a loyal servant to Manchester United, and, of course, Sir Alex Ferguson himself. And he told this story, which I thought was very much up Ramble Street. Ramble Alley, if you will. Apparently in 2010, during an away trip to Sunderland, Manchester United travelled there, a sewage pipe burst in the away dressing room, which caused the kickoff to become delayed. Now, he said that when they first went into the dressing room, there was like a bucket in the corner of the, of the dressing room with a little bit of a drip going on. And they were like, <laughs> OK, that's a bit more. OK, fine. And then, and then uh, they went out to 
do a pre-match warm-up. And then someone said to uh, to Albert Morgan, oh, you better come in and see this. This is quite bad. The bucket had filled up quite a bit by this point, and then they'd switched it for a, a bin, you know, a, a bigger container. And as they were there, he said, suddenly one of the ceiling tiles just burst out. Shit everywhere. The gaffer <laughs> just got out. I love the thought of Sir Alex <laughs> seeing sewage, seeing shit everywhere, just ducking out the door. He said it was all over the suits, the clothes, up the walls, up the ceiling. Oh. Berbatov was going mad about his shoes that had just sunk in three inches. <laughs> this was ten minutes before kickoff. I love this, Marcus, because you know there's, there's long there's long been a tradition in uh, in fo- in football league history of uh, of people making away dressing rooms being sort of less than salubrious environments for people, like turning yeah. the heating up in the summer, yeah. turning yeah, the heating yeah. off in the winter, making the water cold. Some have just taken it up a notch. We are going to cover them in human shit. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Steady the shape. You, you know it wasn't gamesmanship because of what Morgan went on to say what happened next. Steve Bruce comes in a door at the back of Brucey. the dressing room. <laughs> I love that. There's like a secret door. Brucey just arrives. He had yeah. this brush. It must have been 14 foot wide. And there's big Brucey coming in at the back, just shoveling this shit out of the dressing room. <laughs> why, is he, why is he doing that? Like How did he 10 know? minutes before kickoff or whatever it is. What, surely there's someone else at the club who can take care of that. <laughs> He's hands on. He's hands on. That's why he does so. a good job wherever he goes, Jim. It's just a yes. gigantic metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. It's it's almost not even trying. Uh, it's, it's a gigantic man with a gigantic brush and a gigantic metaphor. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, Manchester United had a spare kit, so they were okay. Yeah. Played out a nil-nil. Is Brucey just sort of turning into some sort of Kevin Keegan character, or has he always been one? And have we just not really noticed quite how striking the similarities are? Jim, this is the man who played for a, a Manchester United for many years, won trophies with them when they were clearly the best team in the land. He was a big part <laughs> of that centre-back and never got an England call-up. He's very mm, much yeah. the young Kevin Keegan. Yeah, 19 <laughs> goals one season, Marcus. 19 yeah. goals. As a Too many for a defender, not getting in the squad. <laughs> <laughs> Can't trust him. Stick to what you're good at. Yeah. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's go for a quick break. Welcome back to the Football Ramble, Football Ramble Daily, everybody. Luke, give us some Patreon chat, old boy. Yes, uh, keen-eared listeners, eagle-eared listeners. Um, well, is it eagle-eared? That's eagle-eyed, isn't it? Wolf-eared listeners um, will know <laughs> that we ran a Patreon competition uh, on Friday on the preview show, and I'm very, very pleased to announce that the winner, who came from the Friend of the Ramble tier this month of our Patreon competition and a Sonos Move Smart Speaker, is David Gleese. Congratulations to you, David. Uh, we'll on, be Gleesy. in touch. Uh, yeah, we're on Gleeso. Uh, we'll be in touch and, and, and get the Sonos Move smart speaker out to you. There'll be another competition for Patreon subscribers uh, this month. So uh, make sure you sign up, patreon.com forward slash football ramble daily. There's loads of content on there. It's, it's I think there was 14 or 15 pieces uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, videos, Marcus doing a vlog, extra shows, all sorts of stuff. Add free rambles as well. So patreon.com mm. forward slash football ramble daily for your chance to win a great prize this month and also avail yourself of all that extra stuff. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for emails with PTD. <laughs> Short 
it's a good section. Hello to Jack kicking off uh, proceedings with, Hi guys, hi guys. The only way to spice up the fanless Premier League game. Uh, we talked about uh, discussing ideas to make the Premier League games more engaging on TV with a return behind closed doors. There is only one answer, according to Jack Lockett. His time has come. Mic'd up. Mike Dean. End of discussion. Goodbye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Enjoyable. Yeah. The clue's uh, in the name. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Dean. Mike him up. Mike the Dean. I wonder what the referee situation is going to be. Which one they're going to go for? Uh, are they going to ref loads of games? Uh, not at the same time. That would be ridiculous, although I wouldn't put it past them with the incredibly weird organisational skills the Premier League seems to have when it comes to VAR. Uh, how's it all going to work? <laughs> Obviously, we're not, going to, we're, not, we're not coming back with VAR, are we? So, oh, I don't know. Confusing. Oh, Patrick. Peter. Patrick's got in touch. Morning Ramblers. I was reading the article of Forbes 100 highest paid athletes in the world for 2020 and Oscar is number 20, uh, is number 54 playing in China and that is frankly wow. absurd. That's why he's still out there. That's why he's not coming back. Oh yeah, because we talked oh, about God. Oscar, didn't we? Uh, number of weeks ago. We did. Ago. Why, why he's not coming back? Because it's not. A, yeah. we, I think we said it's, it's not a one-way street uh, anymore. People can come back and play for some pretty decent clubs. But uh, yeah, I mean that's why he's still out there. Uh, Michael Judson <laughs> says apparently uh, the Keegan Baywatch uh, situation uh, was a lie. It was like some fake facts that somebody yeah. had put out online. Yeah. He wasn't on Baywatch. He didn't ask uh, Pamela Anderson anything. Uh, so I'm a little bit gutted about that, to be honest, because that would kind of because it, it it's inexplicable in 2020 we are able to uncover new Kevin Keegan facts and I thought mm. that was going to be one of them and I'm a little bit disappointed yeah. by it. Yeah and it also shows something that regular listeners have known for a long time which is that we do not check anything that comes in that mm. inbox we just read it out Oh yes <laughs> and uh, moving on from that uh, Firas has got in touch just a, a quick minor correction not regarding the professional leagues and capital cities you mentioned uh, the very first league was in 1932 under the Israeli league uh, is when it started however it was actually pa- the Palestinian league officially called the Palestinian league before the state of Israel uh, arrived obviously did not exist before 48 uh, it's only fair to call the first league to start in 1932 the Palestinian league and not the Israeli mm-hmm. league thanks Firas I could not read that email out faster and step away from the fucker but thank you very much for your email if you want to <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get it's important to uh, allow everyone to speak at times like this shortfootballrumbledaily.com I will read everything out I will not fact check mm. oh my god let's end the section damn right <laughs> and I will love it if we beach them love it <laughs> you beach them can, me. Baywatch oh Baywatch can we can I just, just ju- jump in with something that I forgot to mention earlier when we are talking about German football? Cool, is there was an amazing piece of commentary in the Borussia Dortmund game where Jadon Sancho scores his hat-trick goal. And if you guys remember, it was a breakaway and there mm-hmm. were two on one. It was Sancho and Hazard. And there was one Paderborn defender and, of course, the goalkeeper. And Sancho kind of gives the goalkeeper the eyes, makes like he's going to pass and just puts it in the bottom corner. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the co-commentator, I think it might have been our friend Owen Hargreaves again. He he said um, he just said an amazing thing where he just analyzes the goal on the replay and goes, "Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think he probably made the right decision there. <laughs> I mean, the ball's at the back of the net. Literally, the point of the game, Owen. So, yeah. Yeah, what what possible better outcome could there have been to that? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for Pete's Film Club. It is time for Pete's Film Club, and my word, I enjoyed this one. The <laughs> film this week that we watched last night <laughs> was Diamantino, uh, and it was all about a Portuguese soccer hunk 
in the World Cup finals, going from superstar to laughingstock overnight after missing a penalty. His sheltered worldview gets further shattered after learning about the European uh, refugee crisis and he resolves to make amends by adopting an African refugee, only to find that his new son is actually an undercover female tax auditor investigating him on suspicion of corruption. From there, Diamantino gets uh, swept up in an odyssey involving twins, his sisters, and a Secret Service bit of skullduggery. Oh my word, what a film. I don't know about you, lads, but I fucking enjoyed this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I've found it very difficult to work out whether it's because I've got some kind of Stockholm syndrome relating to this section yeah. of the show yeah. now. Yeah. Because we were talking about it before we came on and said that we must have done nine or ten of these by now, and, and a lot of them mm. have been bad. Um, yeah. But I actually quite enjoyed this. And, and I'll give you a few reasons as to why, and I'll try not to spoil it because for the first time, Possibly the second time, but I guess everyone's seen Goal anyway. So the, for the first time, I, I would I would be fine to recommend this just because it's such a lot of yeah. fun. So I don't want to spoil people too much, but but I liked it because the main guy is so clearly and brazenly based on Cristiano Ronaldo, which is very <laughs> yeah. Did they get away with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Secondly, I liked it because it was surreal and it kept you guessing, and it used quite a lot of kind of abstract and surrealist imagery to keep you interested. And and it did it, it did it in quite a clever way. I won't tell people how, but the way they solved the problem of, of of making an actor look like a footballer on the screen, I thought was really clever and like really interesting. I thought there's there was some decent enough acting in it, particularly from the two twins. Um, I didn't think the main yeah. guy was a very good actor, but the two twins, he was fine, but the, the, the two twins were, were funny. And... Um, the plot, I mean, let's just say they pack a lot in. So you, yeah, you haven't got time. <laughs> you haven't got time to wonder about whether the plot's like realistic or you're going to go along with it or not because it just changes mm. so often, so consistently. And also, it was genuinely funny and quite observant and quite um, satirical. And, and I genuinely thought it was quite successful at all those things. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, it it was <laughs> this this film uh, made a little bit of an impact at the Cannes Film Festival, I think, two years ago as well. So because yeah, I'd like, never heard of it, no, I never heard of it either. But but so, so I mean, it's an actual film. I think because <laughs> yeah, the production three, yeah. levels are decent, aren't they? Oh, they they are. But goal goal three, when you watch that, it, it makes you angry. That's how bad it was. And as you say, some of the other tosh that we've watched has been just been ridiculous and it's been but was this, this felt like an actual film even though it was absolutely mental i mean there's a, there's a review of this film in the guardian which gave it three stars out of five and i'm just going to read a line at the start um which, which just says that the bizarre bonker bonkersness of it all he grows breasts adopts a child refugee and inadvertently becomes the poster boy for a vote leave campaign in a fictional eu referendum like i said barking <laughs> a couple yeah. of spoilers there marcus we weren't going to reveal the fact that he that Cristiano ronaldo uh, grows breasts but we're, we're going to put that in anyway so it's fine yeah, is is that a spoiler though no that gets people want to watch it more people <laughs> exactly, are going to want to watch yeah. it more this is a film review. I'm, I am, I am quoting a film review on the Guardian where they will be encouraging people to watch the film rather than giving away spoilers. And so this is what I mean. Like it's just, it's just absolutely mental. Straight from the off, I was laughing out loud because he's on the football pitch, 
And uh, the football scenes are done okay. I mean, it's very. I think we've, you know, we're agreed that unless you literally have an actor jump in uh, an, into a professional match and they use the actual footage, it's very difficult to, to get it realistic. Um, but the, so they were okay. But he has this sort of thing where, and again, this is straight from the off. He's playing football, and when it all begins to click with him, he visualises these massive, as he refers to them or with the English subtitles, fluffy puppies appear, like loads of them, ginormous things, and they're all running around him and he just forgets where he is. And like, I was just like, what the bloody hell is this? But that kind of set the tone for it. So, I, I mean, I finished the film and I thought, I've never taken hallucinogenic drugs, but I feel like I have now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I think... You know, people, you, you talk about it potentially being a spoiler, the breast thing, but I think when people heard that you'd had your um, sweat glands lasered off, they weren't mm. considering that a spoiler. They were going, hmm, I would like to know more about that. Yeah, exactly. uh, And I think okay, this is, a, sort is of a, okay. a, a similar thing, isn't it? And I have to say, Luke, I actually quite like the guy that played played Diamantino because he had a sort oh, of did, childlike yeah. quality to him, didn't he? Which, he, yeah. which was yeah. very, very deliberate. And I thought the thing that was so, so impressive about the movie was that the, the humour in it was so, so offbeat. And despite <laughs> the fact that it was so overtly <laughs> strange and very deliberately um, surreal, as you say, the humour was actually very subtle within it as well. Mm. And the, the, the twins who played his sisters were brilliant. They were absolute monsters and they played that really, really well. And, you know, it had, it was like it had one foot in the sort of art house, but then mm. another kind of toe in the line of, of B movies almost. And all yeah, of that was yeah, deliberate. Yeah, yeah. All of it was very, very, <laughs> you know, um, it was a very well controlled and well executed movie. And it just, the plot unraveled in a strange way that kept you guessing. And I, I'm still thinking about it now. I'm still unpacking what certain bits mean, which is a sign of a, a satisfying movie experience. Um, if you ask me, and it, it had some, it had points to make about, a lot of different things be that sort of you know the the rise of the manipulative rise of 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 of, of right wing politics of the refugee crisis and and a lot of gender issues as well and I, I, fair play and it's it's not really a football movie is it but that's that's you know it's, it's better no. for it it's just it's taken no. it's taken a, a symbol of opulence which in this case would be a footballer and 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 thrust him down into in very real world issues through basically the narrative but also his character which is which was it was really good. Watch it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, there was there was there was there were some parts in it that really reminded me of a movie called Holy Motors, which I said to you, Jim, uh, during the week. I think yeah. that that um, I mean, it's not as good as that. And and Leos Carax, who made uh, Holy Motors, is like a celebrated kind of surrealist, um, like like French film director. So I'm not saying it's as good as that. I found Holy Motors absolutely baffling for like the first fifteen or twenty minutes, and I really sort of mm. went along with it after that. And it was it was fascinating and interesting and and really rewarding and it's sort of the, the aesthetic of it really reminded me of that i didn't think it was as, as successful as that or as good as that but it was definitely in that tradition and i, I, I just thought it was really a, like a really brave movie like there's loads of different yeah. things as jim's alluded to that's been discussed like quite sensitive issues quite weird issues as well in some cases uh that are difficult to navigate and i did it in, in a, a kind of light interesting way i i I've, for the first time in this film club I felt like I'm. I've been enriched after watching a movie. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I think that's well. That's obviously your opinion, so I can't argue with that. But I, I, I still think it was like baffling nonsense. Oh, it was. It, it was all those things, Mark. It definitely was that as well. <laughs> I think you're right, though. When you said at the start, is this some sort of weird sort of I don't know, almost like Stockholm syndrome thing? We're in Pete's film club and we're just crying. I mean, it was. 
I think it was good that we watched this off the back of goal three. <laughs> that I mean, was definitely have... in my thinking as well. Because yeah. Pete, Pete's basically metaphorically chained us to a radiator uh, with this <laughs> film club for the last 10 weeks. So any kind of chink of light, I'm going to welcome with open arms. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it with a loved one, and they went, um, uh, "This is going to end up a bit uh, Woody Allen-y. And I went, "No, it's not." And it did, it did, it did end like that. Um, yeah. So thank you very <laughs> there's much. There's your spoiler. To, uh, the person who, <laughs> the person who uh, Woody Allen's done a lot of different things. Could be what any one of them. Oh, that's terrible. Thank you, son. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> if, if thank you to the person who uh, nominated that one. That was a real surprise and a lot of fun. And I think we are. Heartily recommending this film, Diamantino. Check yeah. it out from last year. Beautifully shot. Uh, some, of the, some of the beautiful, the most beautiful parts of uh, Portugal uh, laid mm. bare. It, it really is amazing. And I cannot believe they managed to get uh, this caricature of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, off the ground without um, getting into all kinds of legal hot water. Oh, and you know as well, you you know that Ronaldo he will have, seen, have it. seen it. He will have and he'll deny, it. He will have he'll it. deny that he's seen it and go, oh, I don't, I don't I, no, I don't, I've never even heard of it. And he's fuming. He's Do you know how they got him to watch it? They said there's, the, the lead in it is, uh, he looks a lot like you and I think he's based on you, but he's in better shape than you. And he's like, oh, straight on there. I'm straight on there. He walks, yeah. he walks around with a messy kit on. The, the, the one thing, actually, just very, very quickly, the most, the, the, the funniest thing, and this shows the football fan in me, that I was a bit like, well, that's a load of nonsense. Firstly, they changed the colours of the Portugal kit to blue and white. And uh, and then they said, oh, Portugal in the final, this is right at the start of the film, in the final of the 2018 World Cup. I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, fair enough. You, They're playing Sweden in the yeah. final. Pick a different yeah. team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the most unrealistic thing about it. A lot of green and white kind of hoops at the uh, at the stadium as well, so it was clear where, yes. where it was actually filmed. That's sporting, yeah. <laughs> it, was be- yeah. it was beautiful. Um, uh, right, are you guys ready for uh, next week's film? I'm ready for football to, to come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Muldoon has got in, Nick Muldoon from Buffalo, uh, New York. Uh, just a suggestion for Phil- Pete's films, uh, film club, The Big Green. The Big Green. Green. Steve Gutenberg, yes, plays a local Texas sheriff who becomes a kid's soccer coach to try and impress the new sexy British teacher at the local school. Can Steve Gutenberg, Steve Gutenberg, motivate this ragtag group of kids to become the best little league soccer team in West Texas? Will Steve Gutenberg win the teacher's heart? And why does the soccer team have a pet coat? Find out in the only Disney produced uh, film to ever earn 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> The Big Green. You had me at Steve Gutenberg. I was going to, we're back to playing for keeps, aren't we? That's what we are. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sounds very keepsian. You know, the um, the Hollywood golden rule of the 1980s uh, among productions was that if you can't afford Ted Danson, pick up the phone to Steve Gutenberg. Nice. They did, mm. they, they did both in uh, Three Men at Lead, didn't they? Well, that's why it was such a hit. Yeah, yeah. then broke, they broke the rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love your job. Can't wait. The Big Green. The Big Green, the big ladies green. and gentlemen. Does anyone check the runtime? 99 minutes. It's, well done, mate. Straight on there. Straight on there. You are pathetic, <laughs> yeah. Marcus. Jesus You are Christ. Michael Owen. <laughs> yeah, you are, you are Michael Owen, aren't you? Bless you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I really Obsessed wanted Goal kids. 3 to go on for another 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you prat. We've now, watched, we've now watched more movies in this film club than Michael Owen has watched. Yeah. 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 So that, that's another reason why we're better. Unless he's playing along, unlikely. Uh-huh. <laughs> He tweeted something about he bought a bike the other day and went on a 25-mile cycle ride and he got back and he was really knackered. He was like, oh, I don't think I'll do that again. <laughs> it's like, would you, you used to play professional football. Surely that's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway. 
bless him. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's come, we've come to the end of our time uh, for today's football ramble. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Andy and Jules will be back tomorrow talking about the championship uh, resuming on the 20th of June and, and lots, lots more. So, so do uh, listen in to that. We had um, uh, the latest episode of the book club uh, was released yesterday with Kate Mason hosting with Luke and Andy talking uh, through the book Sochonomics. Uh, or which used to be called Why England Lose. So uh, get your ears around that. A fascinating uh, listen, I think you will agree. Until next time, though, say goodbye, Luke Moore. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Jim Campbell. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Pete Dean. I would not like to bless my boy. And it's goodbye for This was a Stakhanov production.